media. I'm, I'm more of a stalker than a poster, to be honest, but, um, but I still like it. Like, I think it's, there's uh, great things that we could do. And one of the great things that we can do with technology is um, if you have a smartphone and you happen to have the Bible app or version app, you can follow along with what we're talking with, about today. So if you just click on there, down on the bottom uh, in the tab, in the tab section, there's a, th- a tab for live. And if you just search the well Austin, there's uh, all the scripture that we're using today. You can follow along with everything that we're talking about today. And if you don't have that and you still want to follow along, um, you can type that link into your phone um, and it will take you there as well. So uh, this is a great way to use technology to kind of follow along. So just uh, keep that in mind as we go throughout today. A couple of other preliminary things. Um, some of you may know, but not all of you may know. So I just want to remind you that uh, Tori and Natalie did have their baby uh, Thursday or Friday. <laughs> Actually, let me rephrase that. Natalie had the baby and Tori was just there. But um, that's how that happens if you're not, sh- if you're not really sure. But um, everything's great. Um, everything's good. Um, so uh, Tori will be back next week and uh, we'll look forward to uh, meeting the baby at some point. Also, in your seat, um, there was a communication card. It looks like this. At some point during the day... Um, the reality is I know how this usually works, so we'll, let's just be honest. At some point during the day when I fail to hold your attention, would you please fill out this card? Like, I know that happens. Like, I know sometimes you just kind of zone out or um, it gets really boring or you're, you don't like what I'm talking about or whatever. But we just ask everybody to fill this out at some point. Um, and then uh, on the backside is a place for a prayer request, so keep that in mind as well. Uh, we just want to know who was here today. So you'll just drop this in the basket during the offering time at the end of the service. So just keep that in mind. Do you like to pretend? It's one of my favorite things. I love to pretend. I want us to pretend together. I jotted down a few questions for us. And I just want you to think about this. Um, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Don't say anything out loud. Don't even necessarily talk or look at the person next to you. Just think about these questions, okay? If you could have anyone's car, anyone that you personally know, it could be like you know them well or you just know them on Facebook. If you could have anyone's car, what car would you be driving today? And some of you are like, it doesn't matter, just as long as it's different than the one I've got now. <laughs> like, I love cars. This is one of my favorite things to dream about. I think cars are cool. I like that. Um, second question. If you could have anyone's home, where would you live? Like somebody that you, you don't have to know them well, but you just know them well enough to know where they live or know what kind of house they live or what neighborhood they're in. Where would you live if you could have anybody's home? So, so far we've got a car and we've got a house, okay? A couple more questions for you. If you could have anyone's abilities, anybody that you know, you don't have to know them well, maybe you just know them uh, because they always post stuff on Instagram, but if you could have anyone's abilities, what abilities would you have? So now you've got a house and a car and now you've got these uh, great abilities, okay? Next question. If you could have anyone's physical appearance, what would you look like? Somebody thought that was really funny. If you could have anyone's physical, like you could just trade, you're just going to trade your appearance for somebody else's appearance, what are you going to look like? And some of you are like, nobody, because I look great. (laughs) Next question. If you could have anyone's possessions, like just somebody that you know, somebody that you read about, if you could have anyone's possessions, what would you possess? What would you own? Last 
Last question. If you could trade lives with anyone, anybody, any of your friends on Facebook, if you could trade lives with anyone, who would you trade with? Now, sadly, I kind of just tricked you. There's a good chance that some of the feelings that you just felt, maybe, maybe not on all of those questions, but maybe on one of them. Like there's one of those categories that jumped out to you and you're just like, I would love to have that house or I would love to look like that person or whatever the case may be. I kind of tricked you just a little bit because there's a good chance that a couple of those feelings that, you were, that were kind of bubbling up inside of you, there's a good chance that maybe there was a, a hint of envy in there, yes? Like it's okay, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to admit it, we just know that it's true right? Like maybe, maybe not all of them, and maybe some of you are just way more disciplined than me, and you don't deal with that at all, and you're just like, my life is perfect, and I don't want anybody else's looks. I don't want anybody else's money. I don't want anybody else's relationship. I don't want anybody else's car because my life is perfect. But sometimes what happens to me is when I see stuff online, I get a little jealous. I get a little envious, And if you actually kind of start rewinding and you go back into the Old Testament, there's actually a thing that's called the Ten Commandments. And in one of those, it says that we should not covet. Like, we should not long after somebody else's stuff. Yet, I think that's something that we all deal with at times. And I think that this is the one area that social media is actually, it doesn't help at all. It actually hurts us. Because we see all of that stuff, right? Like when you post that you just went to the lake, you know what it makes me want to do? Go to the lake. I want a boat. Like I want to, I want to be that guy that uh, is on the wakeboard that jumps over the thing. Like I, I, that's not funny. I, I caught some of you laughing like, dude, you can't do that. You're too old to do that. Actually, I can do. Well, no, I can't jump. I can fall really well, but I can't jump. But when I see those things, some of you yesterday, you know where you were yesterday and I was really jealous about? Some of you went to the football game yesterday. Now, granted, none of us are jealous necessarily unless you're not a UT fan. None of us are jealous of the outcome. (laughs) Yeah, I knew there was a few of you in the room. Um, None of us are jealous of the outcome, but I was jealous because I like to go to, to sporting events. And I see you post those things, and you know what I was doing? I was sitting in my chair looking over stuff for Sunday, eating my lousy popcorn that I made on my stove, And you're at the game having fun. And I wanted to be there. Like when I see those things, there are times if I'm not careful that I get jealous, I get envious. Like I have friends that have really nice cars. I love cars. I want to drive fast. I know I shouldn't break the law and drive fast. I can't drive fast with my car, but if I had somebody else's car, I could drive fast. Like when I see those things, there's this weird stuff that happens on the inside of me and I start finding myself being envious or jealous and we don't usually use this word but I start to covet some of the things that people have around me and though I think technology is great and I think social media is great I think this is the one area where it actually harms us more than it helps us and so I just want us to talk about it today um, let's just be honest it's not going today's not going to be one of those days that's going to be pleasant like you're not going to go out of here today saying Bob, that was really great. Matter of fact, as you leave today, you're probably going to be angry at me because you're going to realize, just like I realized, that some of those things that I desire are actually not healthy. 
So I heard somebody mention the, the definition of envy, and I thought that this was just really good, and I just wanted to throw it out there. Envy, resenting God's goodness in others and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. That's pretty good. Like, I think we do that. Like, we, we resent God's goodness in somebody else's life. We see maybe what God is doing in somebody else's life, and we want to know, why not me? God, why can't you do that in my life? Without failing to, sometimes we just simply fail to realize the goodness that he's already given us in our life. It just doesn't match their goodness and we get jealous. And here's what happens in social media sometimes. In social media, we are seeing, I know you know this, but I'm just reminding us. In social media, we are seeing the best of somebody else's best. Like they're, they're only putting the top stuff out there unless you have, all of us have those one or two people that just only post negative stuff. But for the most part, and if you're like, I don't have any of those friends, <laughs> it might be you. Um, but, but we see the best of everybody else's best, but deep down we know the worst of our worst, and those don't match up. We see the best of everybody else's best, and we know inside the worst of our worst, and we're like, that doesn't match up. I want their life. I want what they have. But you're not seeing the worst of their worst. And so as we go through today, just keep that in mind, that when you read people's things uh, online, you're just simply seeing the best of the best. I don't know if anybody's going to be willing to admit this. There's actually a study that proves it. So even if you don't admit it, the reality that it is, is probably true. They did a study, uh, actually they did a study on several different college campuses, and they asked students to uh, spend 30 minutes on Facebook, and then they asked them a series of questions afterwards. And one of the questions they, that they discovered as they asked them was that most people, I can't remember the percentage, it was more than 50, ended up being depressed after looking at Facebook. Anybody ever, like, are, are you willing to admit that sometimes you feel depressed after looking at some of the other stuff on life? I mean, I'm, some, I'm just like, can your life really be that good? And I start feeling bummed out. Like, my life isn't like that. So what I want to do is just look at a couple different categories, areas of discontent that we find in our life. And the first one is pretty obvious, um, material or financial. Like, we see somebody else's things, like somebody just got a new boat, somebody else just got a new car, somebody else just got a new job, and we don't have those things. And we just get frustrated by that. Not always, but sometimes we just feel discontent because we don't have those things. So the first area is just financial or material. And I just want to test you for a moment. Has anybody ever felt any, maybe not a lot, but just a little hint of discontent or envy when you see somebody else's good fortune on Facebook and you're willing to raise your hand? Keep in mind, hold on. Keep in mind you shouldn't lie in church, okay? It's dangerous. Anybody ever felt that way? I think there's a lot of liars in here because I think like Okay, maybe you're just not like me, but I feel that sometimes. I see that, and I'm just like, not always. Like, sometimes I can celebrate with people, but not always. Sometimes I just get frustrated by it. The second area is relational. Like, you see that perfect mom, and is always posting the perfect things from Pinterest, which I don't even understand Pinterest. Like, I, like I, lo I understand everything about social media except Pinterest, and I think that one's dumb, and it's probably just because I don't understand it. And I know if you schooled me or taught me, I would probably like it. But they post all these great recipes that they make every night. They cook all this beautiful food. They have this, all these great relationships. They go with their kids to the park 30 hours in every day. Like, they do all of this great stuff, with, and it's just like, my life isn't like that. And, the, and, and so sometimes you get discontent feeling, this envious, this, this jealous feeling when you see other people's relationships. 
Like you just see some of those relationships. Anybody willing to admit that you've ever felt that way? Okay. Four people in the room and the rest are liars. I'm sorry, I shouldn't call you liars. You're just not telling the truth. Um, the last one is circumstantial. And this could be a lots of different things, just like you thought at this stage of your life, you would be at a different place. Like at this stage of your life, you wouldn't be in debt. At this stage of your life, you would have this degree. At this stage of your life, you would have uh, a husband or at least a relationship. At this stage of your life, you would have this job or this, like just your circumstances. And you see other people's circumstances and you start to wonder, why not me? Or at this stage of your life, you thought that you would have a kid and you see all these other people doing those goofy balloons with the colors coming out and you get really frustrated. Like I know that this is sensitive stuff and I'm just asking you to be honest with yourself for a moment because at times when we look at social media, we start to develop this envy and we start to wonder why can't that happen to me? And I want us to talk about how can we deal with it. And I just want to go through a few things. This isn't any, uh, it's not rocket science, but I just want to walk through a few things. And one of the key verses that I want us to look at um, is Philippians chapter 4. The, the second verse that we're going to look at is actually somewhat famous, but sometimes we don't realize what comes before it, or we don't, also don't realize the context. So as Paul's writing here, you need to keep in mind what he's doing is um, what his life is like. Can you imagine if you were just in this nasty place, like a nasty prison, and you had this dude chained to you the whole time, like you couldn't go anywhere by yourself? Like, it probably didn't smell very good. The food wasn't very good. You couldn't do anything without permission. Can you imagine what it would be like for somebody to just get really frustrated at you and just kind of yank the chain that you're tied to? Probably wouldn't feel very good. And yet, this is what he writes. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Like, I think there's two components here that are really important. He's like, I know what it's like to be the, the person that everybody looks at on Facebook that wants to be me. And I also know what it's like to be the person on Facebook that nobody wants anything to do with. And then he says, I have the secret. I know what it's like to be content in good times and bad times. I know what it's like to realize that I shouldn't think more of myself in the good times. And I know what it's like when I shouldn't think less of myself in the bad times. I know what it's like. And this is what he says. I can do all things through, who, through him who strengthens me. He's like, I know. That when things are great, it's not because I'm great. It's because God is great in me. I know that when things are bad, it's not because I screwed it up. It's just because that's the circumstances that I have. And I know that God can help me overcome anything. And so I just want you to keep in mind that there will be seasons in your life where maybe things are great. And you're just posting all these really cool things on Facebook and everybody wants to be you. But there will probably also be those seasons in your life when things aren't so great. And Paul says, I understand what it's like. Like, I know the secret. I know what it's like to be at the bottom of the pile. I know what it's like to be at the top of the pile. And I understand that if I do these things, if I realize that everything that I am and everything that I have comes from God, it changes my perspective. And I think the key in this particular 
uh, subject matter that we're talking about being content, the key is that we understand our identity. And when we don't understand our identity is when we get really mixed up, we get really confused. And so we're going to look at that. And I want to help us with that. The first thing that we, have to, uh, that, that we have to stop doing is we've got to stop comparing. Like you and I, okay, I have to stop comparing. Like I've just got to stop it. When I see those things and I, I start comparing my life to somebody else's life, I start, start comparing my circumstances to somebody else's circumstances, when I start comparing my relationships to somebody else's relationships, we just got to stop. Because sometimes, even when I do that, sometimes I just think more of myself than I should. Like, my relationships are pretty good and they're stink because I'm a good guy. Not true, but that's what I think. And so we must stop comparing 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says this. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. When you don't understand your identity, when you don't clearly understand who you are, when you don't clearly understand who God is in you and through you, and you just simply compare yourself to somebody else's self, it says that you're not clear. You don't have a clear understanding. And we compare all the time. Um, as I was going through this, it made me start thinking about t- different times in my life when I messed up and made some wrong comparisons. And, and one of the kind of at the time, it wasn't funny. Now it's kind of funny, but I actually grew up in Texas, though I haven't lived in Texas until we moved to Austin in a really long time, but I grew up in Texas, and it's kind of mandatory for the most part, depending on where you live in Texas, that if you grew up, you kind of got to like the Dallas Cowboys. Like, that's kind of like, if you're into, even if you're not into sports, you just kind of like have to do that, and so I remember as a kid, there were times that I would watch football with my dad. I love it. I loved Monday night football. I would pretend like I was asleep on the couch as a kid um, just so I could stay up and watch Monday night football, and I would just like watch out of one eye, and it's like, I just like, thought that the Dallas Cowboys were pretty cool. And I can't remember, I think it was in the fifth grade. About that time, so, some of you will think this is funny, but we didn't always have, like you couldn't always buy jerseys. Like that wasn't a thing, right? Like back in the day, like when I was a kid, you couldn't go buy somebody's jersey. But when I was in the fifth or sixth grade, those jerseys started coming out, and it started becoming a thing that like just the normal Joe person could go and buy. And some of my fin- friends started buying some jerseys, and of course they were all Dallas Cowboy jerseys and all this stuff. My favorite player, and this won't mean much of anything to very few people in the room. Some of you might know, but most of you won't. Drew Pearson was my favorite player. Okay, He was a receiver, number 88, and I was like, I begged my parents for weeks and weeks and weeks, can I please go get a jersey? Can I please get number 88? Can I please be Drew Pearson? I want to be that person. Can I get this jersey? And my parents, of course, said no, 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 no. And finally one day, they, I don't know what happened. I guess they just got tired of me asking. And finally like, okay, yes, we're going to go. Um, after school, we're going to go get this jersey. Well, that particular day at school, one of the guys that now, I'm trying to think how we say it now. Say it now, like bromance, like I don't know if in the fifth or sixth grade you can have that, but there was one of the dudes in my class, uh, like I still, I I remember his name, Uh, maybe, I don't know if he'll listen to this, Uh, his name is Tim, Tim Long, I looked up to him and I was just like, I want to be this guy, I want to be like this guy, he's the coolest guy in my class, he shows up with a number 88, but it was not Dallas Cowboys, it was Lynn Swan, Pittsburgh Steelers, those two things don't go together. Okay, are you with me? Like, I don't know if you understand what that's like, but it's like Pittsburgh Steelers, Dallas Cowboys don't go together. Though those numbers were both 88, they were completely opposing and it was not a cool thing. But he pulled it off. 
and people kind of like respected him and people kind of like looked up to him and people kind of thought it was cool. And so I started thinking. This is what, I know I was supposed to be learning at school, but I wasn't learning anything. I was thinking about football jerseys. <laughs> and I started thinking. My parents are taking me after school to buy a jersey. I wonder what would happen if I got a Pittsburgh jersey instead of a Dallas Cowboy jersey. That's what I, I think that's what I should do. Because if I do that, I'll be like Tim. If I do that, I'll be cool like him. People will respect me. People will look up to me. This will be really cool. And so all day long, I'm strategizing. And the reason I'm strategizing is because I don't know if you understand what it's like to tell your father, who loves the Dallas Cowboys, that you no longer want a Dallas Cowboy jersey, you want a Pittsburgh Steeler jersey. Like, I don't know if you know what that's like, but it's not pleasant. And so I had to think of a strategy. I had to think of, what am I going to say? How am I going to do this? And I came up with a strategy. We go to the store, and I'm like, I got I to change. I, I, I want Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, my dad is like, he gets mad and just goes outside. Or I don't even remember now what happens. I block it out of my memory because it was so painful to tell him that. But I did it. I got Pittsburgh Steelers. And I was so excited to go to school the next day wearing my Pittsburgh Steelers Lynn Swan jersey because I'm going to be just like Tim. And you know what happened? It was the worst day of my life because I was not cool like Tim. People made fun of me. People picked on me. Like, it was horrible. And I looked up to, I thought, if I could just be like him, and I thought so much so, if I could just be like him, if I was Pittsburgh Steelers instead of Dallas Cowboys, people would think more of me. It was a disaster. And I know that it's a silly story, but what I want you to understand is that when you start comparing yourself to somebody else, when you start acting like somebody else, when you start longing for what they have, if you just want to be like that, that's not necessarily who God created you to be. You've got to understand what your identity is. And when you start living out your identity, it changes everything. And you don't have to worry about what people think. And you don't have to worry about what people say. And you don't have to worry about people, what people do because you know that in the good times and in the bad times, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And so the question that I have for you this morning is, who are you comparing yourself to? Stop it. Who do you want to be like? Stop it. Understand what, who your identity is and be clear about that. Look what it says in James chapter 3, starting in verse 14. It says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. When you and I start comparing ourselves, when we look on Facebook and we feel that envy thing start creeping in, when we feel that coveting thing start creeping in, when we feel that jealousy thing start coming into our life, it says, stop it, it's demonic. Don't compare yourselves to that. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Another thing that I think that we need to start doing is celebrating the success of others. Like, I don't know if any of you have had the, the pleasure of going to a pastor's conference. It's actually not, it's not the most pleasurable thing at times. 
because there's so much comparing that goes on that it's horrible. And a large portion of my life, I could not celebrate the success of others because I wanted God to give me that success. And so when I would go to these conferences, it would be like, ooh, hey, how big is your church? And how big is your church? And what are you doing? And what is your budget? And where do you meet? And do you have a building? Do you not have a building? And it was all of this stuff. And things could be going great for somebody else. And I would be so frustrated and disappointed and say, God, why can't I just be like that? Why can't I do that? I just started to wonder. I wonder if sometimes I miss out on God's blessings in my life because I can't celebrate his blessings in other people's life. Like, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. This is just Bob speaking. This isn't, I don't have a verse for you on this. This is just Bob speaking, okay? I wonder how many times in my life have I missed out on a blessing from God because I couldn't celebrate what God was doing in somebody else's life and I was jealous. I just wanted to ask you, how easily do you celebrate the blessing in other people's life? I think that we should do that more. I think we should celebrate the blessings in other people's life. Um, the third thing that we need to do is be grateful. Be grateful. Um, like sometimes, like I know that we get frustrated at times with some, certain circumstances in our life, with things in our life, and we're just like, I can't believe that my toilet doesn't work today it's all like it's, the, it's like it runs water onto the floor and like it won't flush and we just get really upset and frustrated by our toilet do you realize that it's actually a blessing that we even have a toilet at all and then in those moments when we get really frustrated because our car breaks down on the side of the road do you realize what percentage uh, a high percentage you are in and people of the world that actually have a car you're just you're just blessed that you have a car to break down on the side of the road I know it doesn't feel that way at times, but, but are you grateful for what you do have? Maybe it's not what you, would, what you would long for. Maybe it's not what you would hope for. Maybe it's not what you will have at some point, but are you grateful for what you have? Be grateful. Look what it says in James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Like, it's good. Like, I just want you to think about this. Uh, I'm bad at this. I'll use myself as an example. When people ask you, how's it going today? You know, sometimes we don't even really mean it. We just say different things, like, just because it's just, like, what we do. But very seldom do I talk about how great things are. I'm just like, yeah, I'm really busy. I got all this stuff going on. My car broke down. My dog is sick. It sounds like a country song, doesn't it? Sorry, I, I know there's probably a few people I just offended, I apologize, but it's true. <laughs> but, but are we grateful? Are we grateful? Just being grateful for what we do have. So how do you respond when somebody says, how's it going today? I know that they don't mean it, but just tell them anyways. It's going pretty good, I feel pretty blessed today. And then when you ask people, I, I'm guilty of this. When you ask people, how's it going today? Wouldn't it be great if you really meant it? Like, like how often do you, like, you don't really want them to, matter of fact, if they start telling you, you just kind of like keep on walking because you don't really want to know. Like, how's it going today? Well, let me tell you what's going on. And you're just like, that's not what I, I really meant. I just wanted you to say good or bad. That's all I wanted you to do is just say good or bad. Like, what if we really meant it? 
Like, how's your day going? Like, tell me what's going on in your life. But we don't usually mean it. And I think when we struggle with those things about the comparing and celebrating and being grateful, I think the primary reason that we struggle with that is because we don't understand our identity. And I want to spend just a few moments talking about identity because I think that it's super important. I want you to look at, at 1 Peter chapter 2. Look what it says. It says, verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I want to point out five quick things here. I want you to just plow with me. through. I mean, we could talk about this for weeks, but we're only going to talk about it for a little bit. Five quick things that I want to point out um, from those two verses. The first thing is, I am accepted by God. So when it says a chosen race, he's actually not talking about a race that you and I uh, might think of, like a particular heritage. What he's talking about is the people that have have said yes to the call of Jesus. Jesus is called out into their life. They've said yes to that. They're, they're realized that they are accepted by God. They're chosen by God. They're, he's called them out. It's a chosen race. So it's talking about individually, people that he's called out, but then it's also talking about those people as a group. So it's not a race as in you and I might typically think of, but I am accepted by God. The reason that you and I if we fall into this category, if we have a, a relationship with Jesus, if we've said yes to Jesus, is because Jesus has made us acceptable. It's not because of anything that you've done. It's not because of how great you are. It's not because of what church you go to. It's not because of what your parents do or don't do. It's because Jesus has called you to himself and he's made you acceptable. The second thing that I want to point out there, it says that basically... I am valuable to God. He says, a people for his own possession. You are God's people. Have you ever noticed that sometimes things get more value because of who they belong to? Like for instance, if I were to put my shoes on eBay and right next to my shoes, like I'm trying to sell them for a dollar or whatever, and right next to mine are the exact same shoes that were that were previously worn and owned by Michael Jordan, whose shoes would be more valuable? They're the exact same shoes. Whose shoes would be more valuable? Bob's, yes. How much can I sell them for? Um, meet me after church. I'll sell them right now. Um, Michael Jordan's shoes, as much as it pains me to admit this, are more valuable than my shoes because he owned them, because he possessed them. The same thing is true when it comes to, to talking about this specific thing because God possesses us. We are his own. That's what makes us valuable. God makes us valuable. So when we begin to understand that because he is holy, because we belong to God, it's also kind of like inheritance, right? Like if your great, great grandfather was Rockefeller, do you realize that you're pretty valuable because of the inheritance? When we begin to realize that um, a relationship with Jesus gets us an inheritance from the Father above, gives us value. Not because of what we do or don't do, because it comes from God. So uh, we're valuable. 
If you want to know how valuable, valuable you are, actually, just look at the cross. That's how valuable God says that you are. The third thing, I am loved by God. When it talks about that he calls you out of darkness into the marvelous light, do you know what it's like to be loved by God or to be loved by someone so much so that they take you from a really bad place to a really good place? God says, I love you so much that I'm taking you from the dark to the light. That's how much I love you. Um, The fourth thing, I am forgiven by God. It says, you have received mercy You've received mercy. Like, do we understand clearly? Like, sometimes we, and we, I had a conversation a few weeks about, because uh, I kind of interchanged those two, two words, mercy and grace, and it was inappropriate. Like, I didn't mean to. It was an accident. But sometimes we don't clearly understand. Mercy is when we don't get what we do deserve. Like, you and I deserve punishment for our sin. And when we receive mercy, it's because He offers us mercy through Jesus dying on a cross. He offers us mercy. And then the last thing it talks about is is pretty cool, actually. I am a priest called by God. Like, like I know that that's not necessarily terminology, um, at least in our church culture, that we use very often. But that's pretty cool that you're a royal priesthood. Do you understand? I'm just going to briefly give you this. A priest represents man to God and represents God to man. That's you and me if we are a follower of Jesus, a priest. So essentially, to sum it up, in other words, he has given us our identity in order that his identity might be proclaimed through us. That's our identity. That's the reason that he's made us who we are. That's the reason that we are who we are so that we can proclaim his identity because his identity is in us. So now understanding the identity, I want to go back and I want to look at this real quickly again. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. When you and I understand our identity, our circumstances are irrelevant. When you clearly understand your identity, it doesn't matter how great things are in your life or how bad things are in your life. So I want us to look at this verse, these two verses again. Remember, Paul writing while chained to a guard says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I just want to quickly challenge you on something. Tonight, or maybe even five minutes after you leave here, and you're on Facebook, and you're scrolling through stuff, and you get that feeling... Like you, you kind of, and you know how to identify because it, it starts creeping in and you're like, I want that, I want that, I wish I was that, I wish I had that, I wish I was like that. I want you to remember that it doesn't have to be that way. Because God says, you're accepted, I love you, I give you mercy, I've called you to live a life differently. I want you to understand your identity so that you can then show my identity to the world around you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. Um, God, I pray that somehow in a supernatural God kind of way that you could take the, the things that we've talked about today and that in a supernatural spiritual way that you could impact our life. That you would begin to help us see that you say that we 
are yours, that you've called us out, that you love us. And God, my prayer is that we would simply stop comparing our life to the lives around us, that we wouldn't worry about what somebody else has, but we would just start being grateful for what we do have. Got to pray that we would also be grateful for the blessings that you provide for other people. And God, as we continue to pray this morning, I wonder if there's somebody who came today and, and they don't even necessarily understand what it means to have a relationship with you. And I pray that maybe you would begin to press in upon them at this moment, that you would begin to call them and that they might respond and simply say, Jesus, thank you for your love and your forgiveness that you offer because you died on a cross. Change me. Make me new. And God, for all of us, I pray that we would begin to realize that you are the one that helps us to have new thoughts and to become new. And I pray that we would rely on you and not ourselves. Jesus, we say thank you. You are a righteous and holy God. And we are very grateful for your mercy, for your love, for your compassion, and for your grace. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So, um,